Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Medic Mornings. I'm your host, Fiona, and today we're going to be diving right in to the EPQ qualification, which is, I did the AQA one, but I know that a few other exam boards have Edexcel and OCR have one, but it's called something different. But I'm going to be talking about the EPQ, which I did, and I know it's the most popular one, so here we go. First off, I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who listens. Honestly, everyone has been so overwhelmingly positive and so kind. Thank you so, so much. Honestly, when I made this podcast, I thought there was going to be so much hate because I'm not a medic yet. Well, not technically. I haven't started medical school. I've gotten in, but I haven't started. And I was definitely nervous that there's going to be some people who are like, you're not a doctor yet. You're not a medical professional yet. Why are you talking about this? But if I could even impact one person, I'd be overjoyed. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much, guys, for your support. Anyways, enough of that sappy shit. We're going to move on. So I'm going to talk you through the process and what I did personally. I did a lab experiment and then towards the end, I'll talk about what I wish I knew before doing the EPQ and what I wish someone would have told me before I started. So the first part is coming up with a topic idea. This is by far the most important part because you actually will change your topic idea throughout and sometimes you have to adapt your experiment sometimes you'll have to adapt your essay in order to manage the feasibility because sometimes you can start off with a very vague question and then towards research and towards writing your actual essay you'll realize that there is so so much to write about and that's why you need a really good mentor to kind of guide you through that but I personally knew exactly what I wanted to do. I came into the EPQ thinking I want to do something that involves bacteria and I want to do microbiology. I want to do all these experimental techniques and be proficient at it. I want to learn from the science technician at my school. I want to learn about, you know, bacterial assays and these different techniques that people do in the lab and my school has been so supportive doing that but your topic idea does not need to be solidified honestly I changed it a little bit before I was like oh my god I'm going to use all these different types of bacteria but I changed that after to just E. coli Um, I wanted both a gram positive and gram negative bacteria but the costs were definitely not feasible. Like, I don't know what I was thinking with the school budget, but I'm still so grateful that they allowed me to do it. So our school implemented this rule that you needed three different topic ideas. So the topic ideas have to kind of be similar to each other. And Even if you are dead set on one idea, you should still come up with some backups, especially when you're talking to your mentor and they will give you some really good advice on 
which topic idea would be most feasible and which you can write the most content and the best argumentative perspective and definitely the most important part is coming up with a topic idea in the first place okay moving on the research process is the second part which i'm going to be talking about today and the thing about scientific articles is that it's a completely different type of writing it is not like a fiction book it is not like those bbc articles that you see on the health websites and you kind of get dumped into the deep end with scientific epqs because it is just completely different style of writing for example when you read these scientific articles it becomes very obvious that there's a specific structure i'll walk you through it you have to have the title and then you have to have the author under the title so i just put fiona and my school name and then it starts off with abstract which is like a 50 to 100 word short conclusion like overall discussion of what you actually achieved in your experiment and what the goal was etc and then you have your introduction after that which is a longer version of you know talking about the background of your experiment what made you want to do it in the first place um, your motivations for it and some background information so for me my experiment was on how metal ions can actually inhibit these bacterial specimens and I used copper, silver and zinc ions and in the introduction I just talked about how each bacteria slowly died from these metals. Maybe the metal ions caused the membrane of the bacteria to break down or maybe it inhibited a part of respiration within the bacterial cell and it was just a little bit of background information within the introduction. After that you talk about the methods area, which is where you put your methodology, your experiment, your equipment, what you actually did, and you can put some pictures in there of your experiment as well. And then you can talk about the results after that, which is what you actually found. Don't put any raw data, just put some standard deviation, some numbers. You also want to talk about significance of the data. You also want to talk about the main numerical finding from that experiment then the last part not the last part but the last main part is a discussion which you evaluate the points the parts of your experiment that did not go right or wrong so i talked about how my experiment lacked ecological validity it lacked a lot of reliability because there was not specific enough equipment we didn't have like micro pipettes we didn't have like spectrophotometers we didn't have that good equipment because it was in the school lab and then after that you have the acknowledgements which is where you say thank you to the teachers that helped you or the mentors that you had um, any outside perspectives that you had so maybe you talk to a professor maybe you talk to your parents maybe you talk to your teachers um, outside of the school it's anyone really that helped you majorly in your epq and then the last part is literature cited and literature cited is different to a bibliography in that you're not allowed to write bibliography in scientific articles i have no idea why um but it's just literature cited 
All right, so some notes about the research process. You want to get approval from your teachers and from your mentors from an early stage. And by November, I think you should have done that. You might be in the process of, you know, talking to your teachers about your research idea. Um, you also want to keep an e-folder of all the PDFs that you saved. So for me, I used libgen.rs. That's L-I-B-G-E-N dot R-S. And it will literally save your life. It has every single book. It has every single PDF. I don't know if this is promoting pirating. I don't think it's pirating. I don't think it's pirating, but you know what? Okay, moving on. You definitely want to do a lot of prior research onto that topic before you start any big writing into your essay. And this is just because you need to make sure that your topic idea is concrete. And also, if you are writing a scientific article, which you probably will be if you're listening to this podcast, you should always write the abstract last. And this is because you will write about your findings and that's at a later stage within your EPQ journey. Because if you start writing the abstract first, it starts getting messy. You start getting a little bit of bias because you're trying to like skew your data or skew your argument towards what you've already written in the abstract and trying to like manipulate unconsciously your data to try and fit that narrative that you've already written in your abstract about your findings and that is just completely unscientific and not something that you should be doing especially later on in university level I think abstracts should always be written last no arguments there okay so this part is going to be about artifacts and if you're not doing an artifact I will put a timestamp in the description so you can just skip this part but this is just for people who are interested in doing a lab experiment which I have lots of advice for but if you're also interested in this if you're interested in publishing and doing research in university you're welcome to listen ahead so during my EPQ I came up with the equipment um, I came up with a risk assessment and risk assessments. Let me pull up my document first. So the risk assessment is a major part in your EPQ because you have to present a solid amount of understanding into lab safety and fire safety and the hazards that working with specimens and working in the lab might bring. So I used Excel and I made a really cute risk assessment and I'll tell you about the headers that I used. I used hazards description, impact description, like how it would impact theoretically. I used the probability, the impact, and the score. So I use a numerical scale from one to five, one being the lowest level of harm and the five being the highest level of harm. And then I also talked about risk mitigation, meaning if something were to catch fire or if 
the bacteria did become pathogenic, what would be the next steps and the next course of action to mitigate this circumstance? And honestly, I only wrote five things. So I wrote about bacteria becoming pathogenic, um, the spread of bacteria to the public, which is very viable, but in a school lab where you're washing your hands constantly, you're wearing a lab coat, you're not actually touching the bacteria, but you're instead like swabbing it and making very sure that you wipe your hands with antiseptic before you leave the lab. It's very, it's a very low risk. The next few hazards that I described were sample collection, the bacteria sample may be incorrect. Um, I talked about fire safety, you know, the Bunsen burner flame could cause serious burns. Um, and I also talked about incorrect bacteria being grown. So maybe it wasn't E. coli, it was actually another strain that was more pathogenic. And those were all very low risk. So the risk assessment was shown to my mentor, to the science technician, and they all agreed that I was okay to go. Okay, the next thing that you should account for is the number of trials you're going to do. The number of trials is how many times you're going to be doing the experiment over and over again. So I did a total of two trials. The first trial I did was a pilot where I tested it for the very first time. I went in kind of blind. I had made my own method. I had cross-checked it with other studies. I had talked to it with my mentor, but it was the first time that I was actually hands-on doing it in the lab and it was honestly a really exciting experience just being in control of my own you know samples my own dishes my own equipment was so exciting and so fascinating I found that I was really passionate about it and yeah that was just genuinely something that I was super super interested in and then after the first trial, I took the results, I did the statistical analysis, and then there were some issues with the silver discs because they had like changed a different color or something. So we just altered that by keeping it in the dark and not putting it in the oven, stuff like that. And yeah, you need to be able to modify experiments as you go along. And that's something that you should always put in your evaluation. Okay, and finally is the results. So when you're talking about experimental results, you always want to back it up with statistical analysis. So for me, I did two different types of tests. I had one trial that showed normal distribution and one that didn't show normality and I talked to my teachers about it and they said I should do two types of tests which is very uncommon but I personally did the Criscoll-Wallace test and the t-test this is something that you should check on a scientific website about what type of test you should be doing especially with the trials and the type of method that you're using repeated measures independent measures it's a completely different it's 
something that I have never done before and you should ask for advice from everyone from your biology teacher just searching it up on scientific forums honestly the most important thing that you should take from this episode is that you have to display your results in a way that a non-scientific person would be able to understand and that's because my mentor my teachers the people that graded my assessments had no idea about the statistical analysis that I was doing and it was not something that I could easily explain especially since there were so many different variables I could explain normal distribution but I couldn't explain how I chose that specific test because it required a lot more discussion into like independent measures repeated measures the types of designs that I did in my experiments and you have to be able to cut your results down into one or two rows of numerical data and simplify that into a way that a non-scientific person would understand because once you start talking in scientific jargon you start talking about the normal distribution without actually explaining it your teachers will just assume that you're waffling and you don't know what you're actually saying and that's really important that you specify exactly in layman's terms what it is that you're measuring. Finally, we're at the section where I talk about what I wish I knew before I started the EPQ. The first thing I wish I knew is that you should reference throughout rather than all at the end. I thought that I could reference it all at the end because, you know, all scientific literature is kind of similar, right? I thought that I could do it all at the end because I could just search it up again on the internet and search it up verbatim and somehow find it again. No, that is not the case. I feel like for the EPQ, it was okay to miss out on one or two cited literatures. But once you get to a higher level, it would be a bigger mistake and a bigger issue. So it's better to get into the habits early of referencing while you go. The second thing that I wish I knew is that there are no footnotes for scientific literature whatsoever. So, you know, footnotes where people write essays and they put these little tiny size 11 fonts at the very bottom of the page and it has websites on it it has like those referencing harvard referencing types and that does not exist in scientific literature so don't waste your time on trying to do footnotes because it should not be there the third thing that i wish i knew is how much the production log actually matters it is literally like 60 to 70 percent of your grade your actual artifacts or your actual essay they will read over it but the most important thing is to show that you have logged everything that you've done as you went along so your production log is essentially a timeline of what you've done and 
I forgot on so many occasions to fill in my production log so I had to like go back and think oh my god what did I do three months ago and it was really stressful. Initially I was really scared to give out my EPQ because it was just a surefire way to be subject to plagiarism but I am now open to showing pictures of my methodology, of my experiments, of my equipment and videos of how I actually did the experiments and if you are interested in that send me a DM on Instagram saying you're from the podcast and I will be happy to send those to you and I hope they help someone out there who's struggling with their EPQ and best of luck to you all genuinely for sticking through the EPQ and honestly it is difficult it can be tiring and sometimes you might lose sight of the true goal because it doesn't really contribute to your university offer in a direct way except for Sheffield but we'll leave that out it is an excellent way to help your research skills to build those passions and to really find out what you love before you start going into university. I hope you guys find a little bit more about yourself and really appreciate what the EPQ has to offer. It is an amazing opportunity and yeah, thank you for sticking around on this podcast. It really is amazing to hear so much from all of you. If you are enjoying this podcast, please give it a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening it from. It would really help me out a lot. Thank you for joining me again and see you next time. Bye bye.